Hello, welcome, episode 131, the Life in Red Podcast, lifeinredpodcast.com, at Life in Red Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Life in Red Pod on Twitter. My guest today, uh, we chat all about therapy. Therapy is one of those things that's still often stigmatized and in some cases is um, not exactly accessible for a lot of people, whether that's due to availability, um, to cost, to struggles trying to find the right therapist. And what my guest has put together is, in my opinion, an incredible platform to helping you find a therapist. Um, It's called First Session. You can go to firstsession.com. And what it's all about is helping you find the right therapist. So you can go through, you can, you know, um, it's almost set up like a dating profile where you can see what they specialize in, what it's about, um, see a video from them as well. And that way you can try to pick a therapist uh, based on what you're in need of. And I think a lot of us who've been to therapy know that kind of the traditional way of finding a therapist, like Googling therapists in my area, isn't exactly the easiest because one thing that's important about therapy is you find a fit. Um, And you also, in the case of, you know, LGBTQ folks, um, black folks, indigenous folks, other people of color, that you want someone who can understand um, your mental health in in a cultural context as well. And what I love about this platform is it has an incredible depth of diversity in terms of the therapists available. And um, like I said, it it gives you everything off the top so you can try to at least narrow down the search in the form of a therapist. So we talk about that, why he built it, how it works, some of his own experiences when it comes to therapy and mental health and just mental health in general. And it was a really great chat. Uh, and I encourage you to check out First Session. Um, so please give it up for my guest, the founder of First Session, Rob Pintuala. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Uh, very excited to welcome Rob to the podcast. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I adore your platform, and I'm going to let you talk about it. It's called First Session. Um, and I think, you know, I talk a lot about mental health, about finding resources and, uh, you know, finding therapists and how hard that is. Um, and uh, you seem to have found that gap a little bit. Uh, so why don't you describe a little bit about what first session is and then we can kind of get into more of the story about how that came to be sure thank you first session is a online directory for finding a mental health professional so connecting with a therapist counselor psychologist Uh, right now it's based in canada and um, the whole idea around it is to help people develop meaningful connection with the therapist Whereas I found a lot of the other methods to connect with a therapist are lacking that ability to help the client or the therapy seeker find the connection. So uh, we're almost structured more like a dating website than like a 
health website mm. or like a healthcare website. Um, so yeah, we partner with therapists and represent them on our platform and uh, allow people to book directly with them and find uh, available counselor or therapist for them that uh, they, they think is going to be a good fit for them. So, so far uh, feedback has been great. We launched in 2019 and we've helped about 3000 people connect yeah. with therapists so far. That's amazing. Um, and I think, you know, in hindsight, the timing probably couldn't have been better from your launch into where we are now. Uh, where did this idea come to be? Because when I talk to people um, in my network and, and people who reach out to me, one of the things about therapy is we all kind of recommend it, but I think we don't talk about how hard it is to kind of find that right therapist. And there's a variety of reasons uh, why that, that might be, um, depending on your background, your cultural background experience, all those sorts of things um, that can make it difficult and also lead to maybe a perception that therapy doesn't work or it kind of takes away the drive to find a therapist. So, I mean, is that part of how this came to be an idea or is there obviously a lot more to the story? No, it definitely is. That's a huge part of it. The actual spark that ignited the idea was from an experience that my wife had uh, at the time we were not yet married and her father was terminally ill with cancer. And over several months, she had uh, been contemplating going to speak with someone about the kind of ensuing grief that was on the horizon uh, and the process, you know, what she was going through. So she finally built up the courage and I was trying to gently encourage her because I know uh, you, you can't force anyone to do to go to therapy. Um, and so she finally built up the courage to try. And at the time we were living in a city um, and her idea that therapy, this was before the pandemic, her idea was that it was going to be very distressing to find a therapist and to meet with a therapist. She thought she was going to leave the sessions completely, you know, exhausted. And so she really wanted someone close, uh, geographically, like she wanted someone close by because she didn't want to be completely distraught after her session and have to travel, uh, you know, halfway across Toronto, which is, could be, you know, mm -hmm. a long, a long, long commute. So that kind of narrowed her, her options in, in her mind. Um, online therapy was not quite a thing. So she found a, a clinic close by and she went through the, the kind of standard clinic process of like talk to an intake person on the phone. And, um, you know, that intake person was not very compassionate. They were not very understanding uh, according to my partner of, of her, you know, they didn't really show a lot of empathy or compassion. And uh, they, she did end up letting them place her with a therapist, but the therapist was just not a good fit. And quickly, you know, Shannon withdrew from the experience and quit trying to find a therapist. And it really was like this, you know, long kind of process of building up the confidence and courage to finally go speak to someone quickly shut down by a couple bad conversations and not a good fit. And it took so much energy for her to, you know, reach out for the first time. She didn't have the energy to keep on searching. So mm -hmm. that's where the idea was born for first session. And a lot of what, how we built first session is to combat those types of uh, roadblocks that exist. 
What's sort of your background? Um, <clears throat> because there's two components to this. I mean, there's the the digital aspect of building a platform that allows to do what you want to do. And then there's also the mental health aspect or mental illness aspect of something like this, where, you know, you have to have sort of a knowledge of everything that's being built into it and getting proper support and making sure you're vetting people. And, you know, it's, I'm sure it's a very complex process, which we can get into more, but I mean, how did you yourself, um, I mean, it's one thing to get inspired Mm -hmm. with an idea and think it's an amazing thing to do, but how did you get to that point where it's like, I can do this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Great question. Uh, my background is, I mean, I went to, you, you know, college, university for business, but it's pretty broad as we, a lot of us know. And so, but I was always drawn to these online companies like tech companies. So I have my first part of my career was working with different tech startups on the business side of things. Uh, so several different companies, I worked for Uber for a short period of time. I worked for another two other software companies and um, really, I really, you know, loved the modern outlook on like online business and like really design centric, like having the user experience being really clean and easy to use. Whereas like a lot of healthcare practitioners aren't really thinking about that. So that was my experience uh, before I started this. Um, I wouldn't have started it unless I got fired from the job that I was in around the same time, uh, which was uh, a company where I was very unhappy with, you know, my manager and getting quite miserable, to be honest. And I moved my partner across the country to, to join this company. Um, so, uh, yeah, I actually lost my job. And then within a few months, I started kind of exploring and interviewing with healthcare companies because I thought, okay, it's, I I do want to work in healthcare related fields and technology, mental health, if I can. Um, I mean, I should add, like, I have a lot of family history of mental health challenges and I've had my own experience with depression for a few years and, you know, like everyone, I still, you know, struggle here and there. Um, so it's a perfect combination of like online business with mental health, something I really care about and working with entrepreneurs and small business owners, which I also really care about because, uh, the types of therapists I work with are all private practitioners who, you know, are ultimately like small business owners, whether they perceive themselves as that or not. Mm-hmm. How does that process kind of go? Um, like, I mean, are you always doing outreach or people reaching out to you to like join this? Um, because I, I mean, that's a, it's a huge undertaking in itself. Uh, yeah. like if you go to <clears throat> Google, like therapy or online therapy, I mean, you're going to get so many mixed results with apps and um, different platforms. You're going to get a lot of better help ads. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I mean, um, how do you sort of like go about getting therapists and like pitching them on this idea and like what sort of like, yeah. feedback? Like? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but uh, it is a marketplace style business, meaning that we need supply. So we need therapists, but we need demand. We need people seeking therapy. Right. So in order to make the business work, we need both and we advertise for both we market for both um luckily a lot of the marketing for clients or therapy seekers actually attracts the therapists as well so in canada where we are the market for mental health care professionals it can be kind of split between the public sector 
and the private sector. Unfortunately, the public sector doesn't cover everything uh, and, and mental health care is not funded fully by the government. Uh, and usually when it is, it's only for you know people who are in a crisis or mm-hmm. people who've been on a wait list for a long time, months, if not years. Um, so a lot of the market for therapy and therapists, uh, psychologists, is private practice, similar to like RMTs, massage therapists, chiropractors, you know, acupuncturists that really kind of play in the same arena. Um, so those, those therapists within that market, you have these like insurance companies, you have these apps that typically contract therapists and treat them kind of like gig workers. So you can think of it not quite like Uber, but, um, you know, they are the platform and they are hiring therapists on contract to work with clients, which the company owns, like Telus Health, for example, would kind of own, you know, that kind of relationship with the client. They connect you with a therapist. There's several others in, in Canada. There's a whole bunch in the States. Um, so that's a pretty good model for convenience. Um, and in terms of like what the therapists get on the other end is not a lot of, you know, like they might be being charged out at $150 and they might get $55 in the outcome. Right. So uh, it's not the best option for the therapist to work on these platforms if they don't have to. So that's kind of where we come into play. Um, really we're working for kind of like the entrepreneurial therapists who don't, you know, have all the marketing skills um and and what we're doing is we're really helping them connect with clients and i think what we're also doing is really creating the best experience to connect with a therapist even better than these platforms because a lot of these platforms still have intake process you know you do a quiz but then they match you up with like an available therapist whereas like i've built for a session to be all about choice you get to choose who you want to work with. You see their availability. You can book with them directly. You don't have to talk to an intake coordinator. You go directly to them. They do your intake and they start working with you. So uh, I think the likelihood for finding the right fit is really high with the way that we are doing it. Uh, and that's the sort of feedback we've been getting to. Yeah. What, um, when I mentioned like what I was such a huge fan of is, um, I mean, when people go there, if you're listening to this and you, and you go to firstsession.com and you kind of like look through it, it all makes sense. I'm going to get you to explain it for people who haven't checked it out yet. But I mean, like the search functions for what you're exactly looking for, um, I think is huge, whether it's like the modality or type of fit that you're looking on and what they specialize. Because when I find looking for a therapist that maybe the traditional way of just like Google therapy, like psychologist around me or something you go in and it's it's really hard to like narrow down it's like okay like does this person fit what I'm searching for and yours is just so beautifully laid out so I mean just talk about a little bit about how your platform is different from these other ways in the way that you structure and organize this this search function and the things that go into uh, making this easier for the people who are searching for therapy Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I like to think of it as like three main uh, methods to connect with a therapist. Uh, number one would be a doctor referral. So you go and you talk to your family doctor and you, you know, something comes up that you're struggling with something in terms of mental health or mental illness, they may refer you to a counselor or a therapist. Um, the doctors who I've kind of, you know, talked to and researched don't really have like the best 
you know, method of referring you out. Like right. there are some referral services that will put you through an intake again. Then you have to talk to someone and you have to talk to someone else. Um, but a lot of the doctors just have like a couple of therapists, you know, business cards and kind of go from there. Right. So um, not super helpful. Also for younger people, I don't think we would necessarily go to our doctor first. We might want to go direct. Uh, I think older generations might always go to their doctor. Um, you know, a uh, quick aside, you know, none of our therapists on our website can prescribe medication. You have to be a medical doctor to do that in Canada. Um, so that, you know, if you're, if, if medication can be worthwhile for you, then, then you'd still need to see a doctor. And also oftentimes a ther- therapist can help alongside that. Uh, so that's the first method. Second method is like just literally referrals from friends and family or whoever you're comfortable asking about who's your therapist or who's your counselor. Um, and I think that's a great method, but I also think there's a lot of nuance to individual preferences, personalities, experiences. So what might work for your best friend might not work for you. There's also kind of a conflict of interest in like ethics. If, if you know, if, if you're uh, super close with someone uh, like your partner and they're seeing a therapist, then you don't want to see the same therapist unless you're seeing like a couple's therapist and where like there's a whole other discussion on like the ethics of, of that and who, who's the client. So third method is online, which is very popular, of course. So as you mentioned, Googling, you know, how to find a therapist or therapist near me, psychologist near me. Um, there is a massive, uh, platform that is, uh, popular, um, world where at least in the Western world, um, psychology today. So that is, uh, you know, it's the biggest directory. Um, and it kind of feels like Facebook 10 or 15 years ago. So you like, they own the Google organic search terms, um, cause they have a ton of content, but mm-hmm. when you go to their website, you're kind of hit with so much selection and to differentiate mm-hmm. you're kind of needing to flip through profiles and the profiles are completely like self-serve for the therapist. So if, there, if I was a therapist, I can go there, I can create a page, upload a photo. It's usually like a selfie or something very outdated and write, you know, a description of myself. So when you have all these therapists uploading their own photos and writing descriptions of themselves who aren't marketers and many of them are tied to this kind of academic language and they're like, I come from a client-centered eclectic approach and I do this, <laughs> this, and this, right? So like everyone's kind of writing the same thing. So you're like quickly exhausted when you're looking for a therapist in that method. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to reach out to these therapists. They don't have direct booking options. So I need to message them many of them don't message you back because they're not incentivized to do so. So you end up reaching out to like five therapists and you might hear back from like two. And then, you know, one of them is not accepting clients. So then you're, you know, left with one and then they still might not be a good fit because then you have to go through that phone consultation with them. You have to find a time and schedule with them. So it's just very outdated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So like what, how we structure it is we have videos for everyone, which we create together. So they're professional, we interview them individually. So they actually are like speaking about things that we think are relevant for potential clients. We edit the videos, we help them set up their calendar booking and we make them respond within, you know, a day or less to any inquiries, any booking. So we make sure that they're showing up to their appointments. We're keeping them accountable. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's you know, the gist of it. What I also appreciate about this is, um, there's a lot of like diversity in terms of not only 
um, what people specialize in. So like, I'm just, as you're kind of talking, I'm just like kind of scrolling through. So obviously we have people of color, um, which for anyone who listens to this podcast knows how it's important for people of color to find someone of a similar background, or at least understand how racism plays into mental health and therapy, which I love. I've also seen some um, transgender, non-binary people. Um, How was that like, when you're starting to build this, like how important was making sure you had a diverse range of therapists for one? And then like, did you have some sort of like, guidance from either academia or other professionals to be like, you know, like, Oh no, this is great. But like, you also need to think about this when you're in terms of like therapists, was that also part of this process? Yes, it was. So uh, I very quickly learned of the importance of diversity. Um, You know, when I started, I just started out of my apartment in Toronto and I was just seeing if this was going to work. So I just messaged like this was before the pandemic again. So like some people did online therapy, but vast majority was in person. Mm-hmm. So I kind of drew a circle on a map and was like, I'm going to travel within a few miles uh, and, and see if I can go meet people and film them. So that was my pitch. Like, I'll, I'll meet you and I'll film you. We'll interview you. I'll edit these videos and then we'll put up a website and see if, see if people like it. Um, And, uh, you know, most of the people that wanted to do it, I mean, most therapists in like, I don't know, I don't know if this is a safe statement, but like the majority of therapists out there, like the kind of stereotype is like middle-aged white woman, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or like, you know, middle-aged to like, you know, anywhere from like kind of 40 to 60 year old, like that's kind of like what the movies kind of tell you to. And, or you have like a male psychologist figure, psychiatrist. Right. Um, but that is not the case. Definitely not. And like finding the right therapist for you, find the right therapist for you is our tagline. Um, and that's not just like someone who specializes in anxiety. No, that's like someone who you feel comfortable with. And if that means that they look, you know, similar to you, they have the same, gender um identity is you you know all all the things um that's important like if it's important to you that it's important like it's not like Mm -hmm. oh you know maybe i'll just try someone like this just because they're you know but no you have to feel safe in order for therapy to work so if those things are important to you then then we want to we want to know that and we want to help you navigate that so uh long story short like yeah the first I, i launched with like 11 therapists uh, most of them were women. Most of them were white. Um, I think most of them were kind of, you know, straight, like cisgendered. Um, so over time, like, again, I launched in Toronto. It was more like geographically centric. Like I only started advertising in Toronto at first. Toronto is one of the most diverse cities in the world, if not the most diverse city in the world. And I quickly was like, you know, like anything on the internet, people are like, where are your black therapists? Or, you know, mm-hmm. where is this, you know, like we need more therapists of color. Like I need South Asian therapists. And I was like, okay, that's amazing to get that feedback. Uh, I don't like seeing people like angry, of course, but uh, I was like, okay, like I need to get more diversity. So uh, quickly, you know, deliberately added, you know, more diversity, but it's more, unfortunately, like because it's private, practice and because it's a free market you know i think there is an under like as you look at mental health care in general 
there's probably an undersupply of professionals. I can safely say that, right? I mean, the public system is very backlogged, right? Um, but when you get to like certain communities, like as you mentioned, like for example, the trans community, like the trans community is definitely under underserved. You know, there's especially if you're looking for like a trans identifying therapist, mm. uh, there's not that many out there, and there's there's more demand than them. So they don't need a service like mine to connect with clients, you know, regardless of how bad their website is or how poor their marketing is like people are going to find them. Um, and you know, my services cost uh, you know, money. So it's like, they don't, they don't need that. So it's challenging to uh, get some of the uh, kind of supply in terms of like diversity that, is needed based on the demand, but you know, over time as we scaled, uh, I think we're doing an okay job. We could always do better, but um, you know, we have more diversity now. Yeah. I'm curious. And I, I know since starting in 2019, you might not have like a good gauge of like, I guess the before times and the now times of the pandemic, but I mean, just given your experience and going back to those first couple months and into now, how much, demand were did you see increase was there a, like quite a bit was it i mean because you're we all talk about it but you're one of the few people who are, are able to quantify some of the numbers like mm-hmm. was there a huge increase in demand of people searching for therapy um looking into your service all those sorts of things yeah there was a couple of things at play i mean i think now compared to then like if you just like put two dots on the timeline there is more demand now for sure like likely magnitudes higher. I mean, my business has been growing the whole time. I've been spending more money on marketing and all those things like that. So those factors mm-hmm. come into play, but um, there's a couple of things in play. Like when I, when pandemic hit in 2020, when things closed down in March, um, there was a huge drop in therapy bookings. And there was also a huge like turnover of my therapist partners losing their existing clients like everyone thought the world was just ending so it was like therapy was like a nice to have thing for people and that was one of the things that they stopped and because people were used to seeing their therapist in person so they're like yeah i'd rather just stop like we all thought the pandemic was going to last like two weeks or like a week right so yeah (laughs) uh, (laughs) um so that like completely you know everything stopped but then like all the therapists that weren't offering online sessions eventually came around. So I'd say like the minority of my partners at the time offered online sessions. And then within like two weeks, everyone offered online. Luckily they're the tools that exist were easy to acquire. Um, so that was a big difference. And then like, eventually we started seeing it pick back up. People were seeking, you know, help online and, you know, even now, I mean, we're living in kind of whatever wave we're in with Omicron um, currently. So there is still a bit of a slowdown in terms of like in-person therapy. But even when things were looking good again for certain periods in terms of the pandemic, uh, online therapy was still the most popular on our platform, at least. Um, in-person therapy still gets booked, but people like, as we know, like here we are talking on a video on over, you know, over zoom. Um, people are just used to this now. So yeah. it's okay for therapy. And it's really done a lot of good things in terms of accessibility. Mm-hmm. I think it's also, you know, part of the reason that we might 
benefit from therapy more so is because we're just stuck on these devices all day too. So there's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> upside and downside. Yeah. One of the, like, so when you're doing this, I'm, I'm curious, cause you might not, you might not, but do you take sort of like any sort of, um, I guess, questionnaires or feedback about like why people are booking services? Um, because I'm, there's like two things I kind of wonder here as I think in terms of where we're at now in the world, there, there is no question. There still are a lot of people struggling um, in terms of mental health. And especially as we go through restrictions here in Ontario, um, I mean, we were double vaxxed. We're like, Oh my God, we're finally done. And then Omicron comes around and we'll go right back to the beginning. So there's a lot of, still a lot of fluctuation in our life, which is hard to deal with. But like the other part of this pandemic um, and for good and for bad, is it, it's made a lot of people have to sit there and kind of question everything about their lives in terms of the direction, uh, partner dynamics, family dynamics, um, your, your career, all these different things. So I'm just wondering, um, you can either use stats you might have or just your own personal experiences, but it, it's opened this other avenue in therapy, I think, for a lot of people where it's not like I'm coming to you with like, I'm struggling mentally and I need some sort of like relief with medication, but it's more of just like any type of guidance. Like there's just so much going on. I don't know where to go anymore and what to do. And we're just all sort of questioning where we're at in this world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure where this was before the pandemic, but we, at some point we started measuring the kind of focus areas or specializations that people were clicking on to find a therapist and anxiety is like number one by like Mm. fourfold. You're right. It's like anxiety is up there and then depression is like 25% of anxiety. And so you'd have like anxiety, depression, trauma is actually in the top four, I'd Mm. say, which is, um, was a surprise to me initially. And then things like relationships, self-esteem, you know, self-worth. Um, and then, and then we have other focus areas and specialties like, you know, LGBTQ, um, or BIPOC and things like that are in the top 10. Um, and then we have things like self-development and that's in the top 10 too. Um, so, you know, to your, to your point, I think, like people have been sitting with themselves for longer periods of time in isolation. So one that leads to mental health challenges, lack of connection, uh, but two, it leads to a lot of contemplation. And I think more people like there's being, if you are fortunate enough to have a job that has benefits or you have the financial means to try therapy, uh, you know, a lot more people are trying it out. I, I see a lot of people trying it for the first time. I mean, I think our website is, kind of built for the newcomer mm-hmm. um, to kind of reduce the intimidation factor of, of therapy and try to make it more human. Uh, but a lot of people are trying it for the first time. And um, I mean, you know, I, I like to hope that a lot of people are kind of at least getting a bit more direction, even though the pandemic persists. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you mentioned, you, you asked before though, about kind of clinical guidance and I'll just, I want to touch on that too. Okay. So I do have an advisor right now who's a, one of the top psychologists in the country uh, and they are, you know, their area of expertise is like best practices in psychotherapy. So that's like all the research and like, so I do, I do talk to them about certain things, like for example, gathering feedback from clients about the therapist 
you know, how to deal with certain, how to deal with certain things. Um, you know, what kind of standards, uh, should I have? Um, when should I, you know, kick a therapist off the platform, um, or not those types of things. So I do get some guidance there. Um, and I've learned a lot. So I've personally interviewed in person, <laughs> hundred and like 30, 135 wow. therapists and I've filmed them all uh, myself. So I've, some of my colleagues are now doing that as well. Um, and I've probably talked on the phone with like uh, nearly a thousand total therapists now. Like I talked to a couple today, um, you know, so I'm always talking to therapists all across the country, learning about, you know, their outlook on the work, what challenges they're coming up with, um, what type of clients they want to see, what type of clients they're seeing, that sort of thing. So, um, but I do think, you know, asking a therapist like directly what, what's changed since the pandemic would still probably be the best, best method. Cause I'm not, um, you know, we're not a platform that like houses the therapy session. And like, even if we did collect that data, which we don't, um, there'd be so much like privacy around that too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, I, you know, don't really have the, the inner of workings of each therapy session in my, in my, yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting though. So I'm at, I mean, this is going to be episode 132 of this podcast. So that's 132 conversations I've had. Um, so similar to you talking with all these therapists, like you've probably took in so much, like so much information, so much new perspectives and outlooks and, and different for, like, I know just having conversations with so many different people has just changed my outlook on so many different things, but it's infinitely made me a, a more better rounded, emotionally regulated human being for sure. Like, do you find the same thing? Like, has this really just changed? I mean, obviously it's your business, it's your baby. You're trying to build it, make money for your family, all those things, but just from like a human, like a personal perspective, like how much have you grown through this? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Great question. A lot. I love interviewing therapists. (laughs) It's like my favorite part of the job. (laughs) I also see my own therapist had a session today. Um, and I've, I've learned a lot and I've managed to keep it exciting. Every conversation, you know, novel to some extent, I know a lot more, but I'm always trying to remind myself, you know, as probably, you know, any sort of podcast host would as well. It's like, well, who's going to be watching this? Who's going to be listening to this? Mm. I'm really trying to cater to the people who might not know what a modality is, or might not know anything about therapy. So I'm always trying to help a therapist represent themselves authentically as a human to someone who might not know therapy jargon. Um, so that's always a challenge. And, but I, but I do, you know, I do have a huge appreciation for the work that they do. They've taken on a lot in the pandemic, mental health professionals, you know, they're humans too. They have feelings too. Uh, and, you know, in this, you know, I would, they're not necessarily working in the ER rooms, all of them, um, like a lot of nurses and doctors, but they're feeling a lot of the effects as well. So it's, it's nice to be able to work with them and, um, you know, say what you will about kind of the publicly funded nature of mental health care. And, you know, you can have all the opinions that you want about that. Um, but I, I do like seeing therapists be compensated fairly um, and, you know, earning a living wage. And that's part of, that's it. It's my secondary mission. 
Um, you know, number one being helping people find the right help and number two being help therapists kind of become independent and um, self, you know, sustaining little businesses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had therapists on, on the show and it's one of my favorite questions to ask is like, how do you separate sort of like, how's your work-life balance? Like, cause you're <laughs> yeah. like, just like a nurse or a doctor, which might be more physical. Like you're talking about some of maybe the deepest, darkest things about everything. And then I have a friend whose wife is a pair um, is a psychologist for children. And mm-hmm. uh, we can never forget how much schooling they have to do in order to be qualified to do this and how much those costs are. So there's a lot to go into that. But I think a lot of us on the other side of this don't always consider. So you're right. They do need to be fairly compensated and we might view it as expensive, but like, I mean, again, we could talk probably all day on better funding models and, and mm-hmm. navigating that part of it. But at the end of the day, you're right. They need to be compensated um, adequately. And, and in my opinion, very well, to be honest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, I want to talk about you a little bit because you've kind of, we've kind of grazed over it a little bit. You've mentioned you go to therapy, you mentioned you sort of have had different battles throughout your life with depression and anxiety and, and some family history. So, I mean, um, has this been something you've been dealing with your whole life? Uh, I'll kind of let you tell the story the way you'd like to be told uh, how to tell it um, and sure. take as long as you want. Sure. Um, just got a bit of water. Um, (laughs) uh, you know, I guess my first memory was, I didn't know it was my first memory until my twenties, but my first memory was like a traumatic memory. Um, and it was someone, uh, you know, one of my parents having like a mental breakdown, uh, and me being like in the room with them at the time. So, uh, I guess, it, you know, it started there, <laughs> um, but I think of my childhood as being, uh, you know, n- not, not traumatic, uh, in, on this, on the grand scheme of things. And, uh, you know, I, I was the youngest of two brothers and I grew up in a city of about 130,000 people and I like played sports and, you know, went to university after high school. And it was then when I, um, you know, started becoming more independent that I was faced with some challenges. Uh, and it was, it came about when I moved to, I moved to Montreal and around the same time, my parents had divorced. And at the time I thought that the, uh, you know, the divorce was not going to affect me or I didn't want to like use that as an excuse. And I was kind of spreading my wings and moving away and like, you know, starting my life. So it was exciting. I knew it should be exciting, but yeah, I felt, I felt pretty uh, lonely and hard to find my group of friends. And uh, I went from being like a high performer at school and like an athlete to being someone who struggled to get good grades because it was really hard at the university and I, like I didn't make the sports team I tried out for so I mean all this stuff is like you know pretty standard stuff in life but I mean really uh the depression part was like I just understand now what it feels like to be in a stuck place and not be able to get out of it like I actually would have some thoughts 
and I, I knew that my life was like objectively good. You know, I'm like, I'm lucky. I'm being even supported to go to school. Like I have so much opportunity. Everything's great, but like, I can't experience joy and that's mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that, you know, persisted for about two years, like in kind of, you know, varying, uh, severity it never got super bad. Um, you know, I'd say it had like a very, you know, small amount of like really dark thoughts um, that were pretty fleeting. Uh, but for the most part, it was just like lack of joy, lack of motivation, trying to feel like I had to fake, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like I could like, and like I'm a social person in general, like I'm an extrovert. I like talking to people, but I was like really struggling to do that and to try to, you know, fit in um so eventually when i when i got past the the worst part of it um you know, i recently wrote a letter intended at my newborn son and actually in writing that letter it is about mental health and some of my experiences and even you know starting from like the experience of my grandfather's uh attempt on his own life um i realized that i was living in the fear of like falling back into that depression because mm-hmm. I had kind of gotten past it, you know, but it's like, it's not just the clean break. Like mm-hmm. you're on the other side and I was very fearful of, um, I did not want to go back to that place of like feeling hopeless and not being able to get out of it. So I was like doing everything I could to try to like maintain a level of thought that was, more surface level and uh you know not to go deep because i when i went like deep then it would go dark Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so i really tried to yeah i don't know like i basically came out as anxiety and i was scared you know i was fearful of being depressed again so it was like the post depression experience was heightened anxiety around being depressed again Mm -hmm. uh which i think is you know i imagine is not that uncommon of an experience Mm -hmm. Uh, and it really took to the point where I, where I had to um, understand that, like, I could not control, like, regardless of whether I can or cannot control my state of mind, uh, feeling like I was in control was causing me way too much anxiety. So, like, relinquishing some of that control was kind of the, the point where I started actually feeling a bit more free. Uh, and that was probably, you know, a few years after my end of my actual like depression stint to the worst parts of it so i mean i think you know from that point i just always can relate to more people who are struggling and i've been lucky to be you know at a fairly good state of mind since then and uh but like i like when you're stuck you're stuck and it's very difficult to get out of that place um Mm -hmm. so I, i i really enjoy the work that i do now and if there's you know anything around this conversation or things like this that can help people, you know, take, take a step that is in the right direction. It doesn't have to be therapy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really meaningful work because mm-hmm. the, the, the burden is heavy and it can happen to anyone. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's also important to note that you don't have to be experiencing like severe mental illness or like, severe challenges to benefit from therapy. I think that's also sometimes a misconception a lot totally. of us have where it's like, like, I feel like crappy, but like, 
like I said, like one of the huge barriers for me, and we shared a very similar story was that same idea that like, oh, well, like other people have it way worse than me. My life really isn't that bad, but yeah. you're right. Like I can't experience joy. Um, and I think that deters some people like, I don't need help. Like, it's fine. And it's like, I mean, you can go to therapy for maintenance if you want, if you have the resources and, and the, the funds and you're able to sustain that, like you can go for just maintenance and just, that's like kind of where I'm at now. Whereas like, I'm not struggling and I built a lot of emotional tools and I just kind of go to chat about what's bugging me on Twitter and, and TikTok and trying to cipher that out. But um, like, it's, it's just a, the possibilities are endless yeah. um, t- for therapy to sort of benefit you. Yeah, totally. I think, I think too, and I'm very interested in this now too, because, you know, I feel I'm in a similar place. So sometimes I'm still addressing past traumas without even knowing that I am. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people who are wanting to live a more life, you know, a life of more fulfillment or relationships that are stronger, um, you know, perform better at work, have a better work-life balance, sleep better, you know, think they might be using substances a little bit too often. Like all this stuff can be addressed in therapy, but I think the label that therapy has is like, you know, kind of pulling you out of the depths and Mm -hmm. uh, getting you back, which is like, you know, an amazing (laughs) uh, use of therapy. Uh, But I think like one, one therapist explained this to me very, you know, uh, it stuck with me. So he's like, a lot of people think of therapy as like negative 10, like to zero, whereas like, there's a whole scale of zero to plus 10. Mm. So like zero being like kind of your even state, like you're okay. Um, and a lot of people focus on getting from like a negative number back to zero, like square one. Um, but like the, the positive <laughs> zero to 10 is, uh, you know, a lot often unexplored for people. And, um, you know, I don't think you just, it's not just in therapy, but it's kind of like a way of, of living, um, mm-hmm. in terms of just trying to be more mindful or trying to, you know, just be a healthier person be more fulfilled, have more meaning in your life, that sort of thing. And to me, I think any therapist can help you do that. But again, it, it it's about if they're a good fit um, mm-hmm. for you and, and you kind of can work on some of the stuff and they, you know, they can kind of hold you accountable and give you some guidance. Mm-hmm. I, I did want to ask, cause you mentioned you wrote the letter to your two month old son. Um, and I'm always curious and I've talked to women about this, about how their perspectives and, mental health has changed as soon as they become a mother, but I haven't had the opportunity to really talk to a a father about how maybe their perspective changes. And I don't know if it has, I know, I mean, two months isn't a super long time uh, to be a dad, but has the shift to fatherhood and now having the responsibility of caring and nurturing a child, has that shaped your view on any of this or changed you and your perspective on mental health in any way? I definitely has. And I believe it has, I believe it will a lot more. Um, So, you know, I think it has first maybe look at myself and look at others who are parents, especially in the pandemic and be like, Holy crap, this is a tough job. Mm. Um, you know, if you want to do it well, which, um, 
you know, it's always a challenge. So I think like the main things that I've learned in interviewing all these therapists and in my own therapy is like, you know, so many people have like guilt and shame. They deal with guilt and shame. And I think it's easy to be guilty as a parent uh, if you're not kind of the perfect parent or doing things that, you know, are in our society thought of as like proper parenthood, right? Um, all sort of every step along the way, um, you know, and we're only at like a little over two months with our uh, baby, but, you know, even like starting to think about sleep schedules and all these things. So, I mean, number one, it's like, as a father, um, you know, holding a baby who's like crying uncontrollably, who's like, has been fed, has been changed, you know, is warm and, you know, but it's just crying. And you're just like, there is like this, uh, physical, you know, biophysical reaction of like your cortisol level starting to spike. And you're like, okay, like, how do you react as a parent with like a baby that continues to cry? Like it's a real test of your patience. It's a real test of your love really. Um, so that is like a new experience. And I think gain a lot of appreciation for any parents. And again, we have one child and the can't, can't even crawl or walk yet. Right. So I think it gets a little bit more interesting over time. Um, but I, but I do think, you know, um, I do think about it. And, you know, when you think about the child growing up and having their own experiences, like, you know, we all learn from challenges, right? Like we don't just like, it's so tempting to want to want to see your child have this like pain-free life. Right. But like the real experiences come from pain. So I think, you know, just in, I don't want to think too far ahead, but I think that'll be the next, you know, major step is like, well, where do you witness you know, I know there's a book called like the self-directed child and like, you know, there's all these approaches that like, you know, how much space to, to give your child. And it's like, I'm trying to get a business to a point where it can yeah, be a sustainable business. So it's like, that requires a lot of hours and all the balance, but mm-hmm. you know, all after all said and done, like the one thing that I did was brought, brought a whole lot more love into my life, mm-hmm. like a huge amount that I wouldn't imagine have imagined and that's incredible and uh mm-hmm. just like it does give you more meaning in your life immediately so uh, it's an incredible feeling mm-hmm. um for people who might be resistant to to trying therapy or may have doubts or maybe yeah. even have had a bad experience or bad experiences in the past yeah. so i mean you've yeah. created this wonderful platform um, people can go and, and self-direct and, and choose a therapist that's right for them. Love it. But for somebody who's maybe not at that point, mm-hmm. whether it's from personal experience or talking with all these therapists, how do you think we can encourage more people to pursue this avenue of, of using therapy as a resource? Mm-hmm. I know that big. if we all had the answer for that, we'd be right, <laughs> right? but just in yeah. thoughts. That's uh, a great question again. I think, first of all, I think if you've had a bad experience with a therapist, you're not alone. Like it's quite common. And it, from the business angle, like before they, I spent a lot of time in sales and, you know, when you think about sales, you know, there's like a window of opportunity to get the, to get the sale. Right. I mean, if someone's thinking about buying, you know, it might only be for a very short period of time. And so the challenge with the ther- therapy or any therapist is like that window of opportunity where the client or the person considering therapy that is 
ready and willing to buy or like try therapy might be super short and fragile. And it might take a really long time for them to build the courage back up again to have that desire to try it again. So, you know, firstly, I think we can improve the, the system. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. I'm sort of trying to do. I mean, but again, I'm only in the private side. Um, you know, there are more resources out there, but it does take resilience to work in the public system because if you're wanting to take advantage of some of the free free resources out there, the publicly funded ones, you're probably going to be bounced around a little bit. Like you're going to be bounced around a little bit to different intakes and different emails and download this app and ask you this. So you're, if you're in a state of mind, that's difficult, you know, to manage that. Like I I don't blame anyone for giving up. Um, I just hope that people are willing to try again. And I would just say for anyone who's not tried and just been like, I mean, uh, there's so many different avenues to, to discuss here, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are afraid to talk to therapy, afraid to talk to a therapist because they don't want to uncover something in them that they mm. think will be scary or painful. Right. Mm. And just people think about therapy as needing to go in and being like uncovering your deepest, darkest, you know, bringing the skeletons out of the closet and like divulging your past. There are many therapists that I've talked to that will never force you to talk about anything in your past. Um, It's not going to be what you're going to be asked to talk about on your first session. The main priority in therapy for any good therapy therapist should be to build a trusting relationship, but you can't force that either. So that needs to come naturally, like any trusting relationship. So I think that, you know, only until you're comfortable to address some of the things you think might be causing you pain and suffering right now, um, there's no need to force it. Like you really, you really can't force that step of, you know, addressing whether it's trauma or, you know, a painful like attachment relationship in your past or, you know, all, all, all sorts of things. So yeah, I just say you don't, it should never be forced. And, uh, you know, I would just say therapy is a very interesting thing in this world where if you are working with the right therapist, it should feel natural. You should feel inspired. You should feel safe, but that you should feel that there's boundaries there in that relationship that are respectful and, like it's like having someone in your corner, um, but also like don't don't be wooed by years of experience. Don't be wooed by you know mm. a PhD. Like if you just have a bad feeling about you know it might be challenging. It will be challenging likely if you get into some of the deeper work. But if you have a, a feeling that you know you're just turned off by your therapist or you're questioning their you know, trustworthiness, like listen, you can listen to yourself and you don't have to like overcommit. Like, like any relationship, I know a lot of people like stick with therapists out there because they're like, Oh, it took me so long to find this one. They're not great, but I'm going to stay with them. Like, you know, there is someone better out there for you. And oftentimes the last thing I'll say is like, if you have a lot of resistance to therapy, that is a perfect conversation for your first session in therapy. Mm. And that's Mm. usually where a lot of therapists I talk to will start 
It's like, if you're like, I do not want to go see a therapist. I don't, you know, my problem, like to your point, my problems aren't as severe as other people's problems. Start there and you'll get, you'll, you'll probably get a lot of progress out of, out of just that conversation. That's a, that's a great uh, insight Um, and sparks another question in me because I get a lot of people who might want to try therapy because they, they, they want to get better. They want to deal with something, but they don't know where to, like, you're right. Like they don't know where to start. Like what, what do I say? What do I bring? What are questions that are appropriate? Yeah, yeah. I really mean, again, that, that is another big question. I don't expect like a, no, a, a big answer, but like any advice or perspective you can give to anybody who's like, okay, I'm ready yeah. to try, but like, how do I even start this process of digging deeper? Yeah. I think a lot of people think they need to have all their goals laid out in front of them when they go into a therapy session, this that's a really good question. Cause it's a huge thing that I see um, is like, people think they need to be completely prepared mm. for a therapy session. And like, you don't actually, some people are more goal oriented and like they have more like an analytical type action oriented kind of style of being. Some people are just kind of all over the place. Like I would be more one of those people, um, you know, as like, I never know what I'm going to talk about when I go into therapy and I just kind of figure it out um, at the time. And I just think that you do not need to have like clearly defined goals in therapy. Like it'll come out, like just explore what's there. Um, so don't let that hold you back. Cause you're like, I would go to therapy. But I just don't know what I'll say. Like mm-hmm. all you need to show up and a good therapist will help you with that conversation. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's what I'll say, but I think that's a huge blockage for, for some people cause they just feel like they're not going to be yeah. prepared, but you don't have to be prepared. Yeah. Especially for people who maybe are not as familiar with the mental health system and they're, they're just kind of curious or especially men. Like I find men are definitely the same thing where it's like, Ooh, I don't know. Um, the final one for you for first session What's, what's kind of some of the future plans? What are some of your hopes and dreams with it? Um, anything yeah. new, just continue building? Yeah, I mean, we want to be the best place to find a therapist in Canada. Uh, I'm biased. I think we already are, but we aren't really present in the whole country yet. Um, so that's our goal is to expand. Very soon, we're going to be expanding to, you know, all provinces. Mm. Um, but I think there's a lot of other ideas that I want to do too. Like there's a lot of other topics I want to go off. I mean, we have this repository of video content that is excellent. Mm. Like all this content from therapists that is very insightful and you can learn a lot from. And I think making that more accessible is one of the things I want to do. There's actually a, a kind of a, if anyone's like interested, regardless of whether you're in Canada or not, on our website, you will find a, like we call it therapy masterclass under resources. Um, or if you're like looking for a therapist, it'll say like a new to therapy course. Now it's a, an email course, meaning that it's just six short YouTube videos with a little bit of accompanying, you know, text in an email. So six different emails. And if you're unfamiliar with therapy, it kind of just like takes you through everything you need to know about like, mm. what is therapy? What can it be used for? What are the costs, insurance? What are the designations? How to find the right fit? All those kind of things. So I want to produce more content like that for folks and maybe even make it free. I mean, most likely make it free. Um, I want to work with more, you know, basically you got people who can't necessarily afford it, whether they're you know, running yeah. their own businesses and don't have benefits, whether they're with, you know, populations that are, you know, discriminated against or, you know, new immigrants. Um, so just, mm. you know, as we grow, I want to make the accessible uh, accessibility increase as well. 
Um, we are working with corporations as well. So we go in and talk to companies about stigma, about burnout, about how to talk to your manager about mental health. So we put on some of those workshops. I think I'd like to grow that a bit more. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, maybe a, a little bit more boring part of it would be more resources for therapists, um, you know, helping them helping them like manage their businesses more effectively, like mm. a little bit of like a Shopify type mentality for therapists to like empower the therapists and give them the tools that they need uh, to be independent. Yeah. Um, uh, including like continuing resources, like they need, sorry, continuing education. They need supervision. You know, most they're like all therapists see therapists or so they should. Um, so they'll see like a more experienced therapist. So, you know, connecting new therapists with supervisors, which is a huge challenge for a new therapist to find a supervisor right now. So all these things that I've learned about from working with therapists, I think there's some opportunity there too. I love all that. Uh, that's like literally amazing. And like I said, right off the top, um, you found a gap and uh, like, I, I just such a fan of what you're doing. Um, and just a quick aside before I say goodbye, but um, it's so interesting because therapists, right. You come from the world of academia, not of like you said, entrepreneurship and building websites, marketing, branding, content. I, that's not stuff that always comes natural, which could be, you know, a huge benefit for that market that might not be able to afford therapy and try to find some sort of balance in there. So mm-hmm. love that future uh, and excited to see where you take it. Um, where do people find you? Where can they get a list of these resources? Maybe go find a therapist. Yeah, we're at firstsession.com. And yeah, right now available in Canada. You can find a therapist easily there. If you are a therapist, you can apply to be to be listed there as well. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at R Pintwala, P-I-N-T-W-A-L-A. Um, and uh, if you hit the contact us form on our website, I will see it and I will uh, get back to you if you have any questions. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to share, I don't know if you have any resources listed kind of associated with, with this, um, but I'd be happy to share some more free resources for folks in, in Canada and maybe in the U.S. too. If you are in the U.S. and you're looking for something similar to First Session, uh, I'd recommend something called Zencare, zencare.co. Um, they're a similar um, uh, sort of website to us and um, they work in most states, I think. So that's a good option. And uh, if you're in the UK, there is a, uh, ooh, that's just slipping me, but I'll, <laughs> uh, it's something.org. Good. Oh no. Oh, sorry. Um, that's okay. Yeah. Sorry, UK people. You got to Google it. <laughs> it's all good, good something. Um, um, perfect. Well, Rob, this was, uh, this was awesome. Um, thank you so much for, for joining me. I really appreciate it and continued success. Um, I think re- people can really benefit from your platform. So, I mean, congratulations on this great idea and, and um, yeah, continued success with it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me and uh, yeah. Awesome podcast you have here. So thank you. Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.